Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there. We wanted to take a second before we get into this episode to thank you for listening. We really, really love getting to do this show and your support, whether it's by subscribing, leaving us a review, or supporting our advertisers is what makes it possible. We are ridiculously grateful. And I'm sorry that I'm going to do a whole like people are asking influencer energy thing here, but sometimes people do in fact ask us if there are other ways that they can support us. And the answer is yes. Our secret menu membership program is a once weekly members only newsletter that costs four bucks a month and your first month's fee goes straight to charity. We cover all sorts of topics. We're talking shopping, gifting, food, entertainment, even advice, and of course, snacks. You can sign up for it all at a thing or two hq.com to start receiving it. And you'll even get access to all the back issues you missed. And if you've made it this far without subscribing to our free Monday newsletter, well, what are you doing? Go ahead and rectify that also at a thing or two hq.com. If all of that sounds like too much effort, we get it. Maybe just take 15 seconds to go smash some stars for us in the rating section of Apple Podcasts. That helps a ton, truly. Thank you. Now on to the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two hq. We have a really exciting guest today, um, Food52 co-founder Amanda Hesser, icon, like, yeah. True icon. And when you said we have a really exciting guest, for some reason, I thought you were going to say Miffy because we're <laughs> also talking about Miffy. And obviously um, she's not a guest, but I was like, yes, unfortunately, it is Unfortunately, Miffy couldn't join it. That's not true, actually. My Miffy is right here. She yeah. just does not speak. She is a light. Mm-hmm. No, um, so Miffy is a guest. That's on right. Today's so, podcast. you know, here we yeah. go. Yeah, Welcome. perfect. Um, so maybe just for people who are somehow less familiar, I guess mm-hmm. I'll start with the who is Miffy. Yeah, who is Miffy? Who is Miffy? Miffy is a very cute white rabbit mm-hmm. who is the star of a series of like 200 picture books by the wow, Dutch 200? artist. 200? 200. All Claire. by the same person? All by the same seemingly incredibly lovable man. We will get into more of that later. His name name is Dick Bruna. And it's like, he has this very sort of like sharp modernist style, mm-hmm. very like primary pre-cause. colors. like Sort of pre-cause. Totally. The artist totally. cause. 
God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a great call out. Um, inspired by Matisse, like mm-hmm. inspired by Picasso, etc. <laughs> so the first Miffy book came out in 1953. Over 85 million copies have been sold in 50 languages. Like incredible. And in, was he just doing the illustration? He was also writing. He the like books are entirely his. Um, wow. like, and he feels like very near and like he holds he, he, well, he passed away in 2017. Okay. He feels like he felt deeply connected to Miffy and like would sometimes draw Miffy like 60 times before the uh, illustration would feel right. He said because wow. Miffy's like such a simple form that you had to get that expression just right because Miffy's just like this little white rabbit with, you know, sort of oblong eyes and a little X for a mouth and that little X and those eyes have to express so much. And, yeah. you know, to make Miffy happy, to make Miffy sad, to make Miffy feel like hurt, like this is, it's, it's a lot of work to convey those subtle. things with just yeah, yeah. two dots and two lines, you know? <laughs> I do. I do know. <laughs> So I think that I first discovered Miffy when MoMA Design Store started carrying Miffy like products. And mm-hmm. I'm very like attuned to any cute, anim- any cute like bunny products mm-hmm. in the market. Yeah. Um, and then You're my bunny mother, enthusiast. that's right. And especially like bunny does like modernist design enthusiast, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. specifically. So then my mother-in-law bought Thomas and I this light um, that is definitely like primarily for children, but it, it but it's like a, a big, it's, it's, it's a light, but it's like a big, it's a large nightlight. It's like a basically. statue. Yeah. It's I like, mean, it's bigger tall? than your actual bunny. That's right. It's like Miffy's probably like, I don't know, 16 inches tall or something like that. Yeah. And it has a light in it and it glows and it's like, yeah, it's like a very, like you could use it as like an outdoor, like lamp thing. Mm-hmm. You could like, yeah, it's often like a nightlight for kids. And so one time when I was FaceTiming with Cam, I showed him Miffy mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I started just getting like FaceTimes for Miffy. You became Miffy's secretary. Yes. You were having to mediate the relationship between Cam and Miffy. It was like, let me put you through to Miffy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she's available. She doesn't, she's not in any other meetings right now. But then it was obnoxious because it's like you couldn't just put Cam and Miffy on the phone. You had to be operating Miffy's light all the time, like turn Miffy's light on. Can Where's the light? And that was like, oh, that was asking a lot of you. It was asking a lot. And so I solved this problem by buying a Miffy for Cam. You um, did. And a little it, bit of like get out of my face. (laughs) You can operate this light on your own. Next time you call, call to talk to me. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and now, you know, what we've learned is that actually what happens is that now the Miffies can talk to each other. That's right. That's what's going on. So I didn't really solve any problems. Now Um, I'm just in on this and I have to be involved also. Now we're both secretaries. (laughs) That's right. Um, Actually, in addition to having that responsibility, I also now have a fourth dinner guest at dinner every night because Miffy has been coming to dinner, which, you know, so you can do a full four top. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She doesn't eat that much. So it's not like a huge ask of me, but I have to set a place for her at the dinner table every night. Does she need silverware and everything? Yeah. She also has like, she has to have like a booster seat because she's not that tall. Yeah, not tall enough. You know what you could invest in? What what we recently discovered are like honestly the cutest napkins I think I've ever I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, they're incredible. Can you explain them? They are like these little linen napkins with a little linen miffy peeking out from the corner of the napkin. They're embroidered. They've got like colorful edges. They're they're also just incredibly chic. Incredibly chic. Incredibly chic. It's like a perfect square like napkin that looks like kind of like nothing, you know, nothing like special. And then Miffy peeking out the side. Miffy's just one eye. You just see one eye and one and a half ears and her little paw. And she's just peeking out the other side. 
I love it. In general, there's a lot of really good Miffy merch, which is not so surprising. Much. Corduroy Miffies. There are these new Miffy Converse like collabs that are mm-hmm. like quite, quite good looking, like in a like Comme des Garcons kind of way. Yeah, ex- very. That's exactly right. It does feel like if you follow the Miffy Instagram, whoever is running their collaborations and retail partnerships knows what they're doing. If Miffy feels chic. Miffy is chic. Yes, that's right. They're in the also- know. And in the note, there's, mm-hmm. and like early to everything. Yes. And that is going to take me to my next point, which is <laughs> that there is also some Miffy drama. Yeah. As I mentioned, Miffy is Dutch. Miffy was introduced in 1953. It is some, it is often assumed that Miffy is Japanese because Miffy looks not dissimilar from Hello Kitty. Yeah. Okay. Hello Kitty was introduced in 1974, which simple math will tell you is 21 years later. <laughs> and... Dick Bruna, very kind man, drew 200 Miffy books. Yeah. He's like not a fan of Hello Kitty wow. and is like Drama. And was definitely like butt sore about it. And in 2008, he told the Daily Telegraph that, he says darkly, is a copy of Miffy, I think. I don't like that at all. I always think, no, don't do that. Try to make something that you think of yourself. I get it. Like, I love Hello Kitty. You and I are both Love Hello lifelong Kitty. Love fans Sanrio. Of Hello Kitty. Would yeah. never, would never, yeah. But they're different creatures. And and I can see how if there was confusion that Dick Bruna might feel like Hello Kitty was hurting the brand equity of of Miffy, who is just like she's a little bit chicer. I don't want to like I understand. Yeah. Hello she's Kitty. not accessorizing. She's not no. doing like she just like sort mm-hmm. of like stands on her own. Mm-hmm. So this did escalate um in 2010. Bruna sued Sanrio over the character Kathy. Do you recall Kathy? She's no. the bunny. She was a she's a bunny in the Sanrio universe. Miffy also has a universe of friends okay. that also came before Sanrio. Just okay. putting that out there. A court ruled that Sanrio had to stop marketing Kathy in the Netherlands, Belgium, and Luxembourg. Wow. Um, And then there was like this whole legal back and forth until, and this is where your heart's just going to warm. The companies both decided, Sanrio and Dick Bruna decided to hell with it. We're not like continuing to fight this legal battle. This is like a waste. This is dumb. And donated money that they would have been spending on this legal value to the tune of 150 euros to Japanese earthquake and tsunami relief. Wow. Model corporate behavior. This is like what I want for all of our feuds. I Incredible. want the escalation to just finally be like, you know what? This is dumb. Yes. Like wow. it's like if Nicki Minaj and Cardi B decided to co-host a benefit concert. I could see it happening. Well, it's like when Katy Perry and Taylor Swift, didn't they like do a collab duet yes, something? Totally. Totally. Yeah. This, so, totally. So in this scenario, I think I would say, is Taylor Swift the Dick Bruna and Katy Perry is Hello Kitty? Yeah. Katy Perry is definitely Hello Kitty. Yeah, that bow. I think so too. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but I would like to give you just like a little bit more flavor mm-hmm. around this Dick Bruna character because he Please. seems like incredibly, incredibly charming. So it's from the same article from the Daily Telegraph mm-hmm. um, before he passed in 2017. It says, he rises every day at 5 or 5.30, squeezes a glass of orange juice for his wife, Irene, and draws her a picture. The pictures, all of which she has kept, are about things she has done or reminders of things she's planning to do. He says that on the morning of my visit, I did a little drawing about Bridge because she's going to play Bridge tonight. My goodness. Every day a picture. She saves them all. He makes her orange juice. Isn't this so nice? This feels like a very Thomas thing to to do. Thomas totally. loves to draw tiny illustrations. <laughs> it's true. He does love to draw <laughs> tiny illustrations. And he makes you coffee every day. Totally. Well, or I make him coffee. Well, 
you know. But, but anyway, potato, <laughs> potato. That's right. Miffy, Hello Kitty, you know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my God, our guest. Our guest, Amanda Hesser. Oh, longtime hero, inspiration, and like sh- shorter time, but also longtime pal. Um, yes. But inspiration long before she became a pal. She was an inspiration ever since you and I read Cooking for Mr. Latte in college. So, which was, which interestingly, mm, I'm going to bring this full circle. Much like our passion for Hello Kitty was one of those things where it was like, oh, you too? Like, we're the same. Wow. Wow. Right. A bonding moment. Yeah. It did feel like one of those things where it was like, oh, you also read that? You're also super into this book? Yeah. Totally. So, Amanda has her, she was, uh, prolific New York Times writer and editor. She she wrote a landmark New York Times cookbook. <laughs> and then she co-founded Food 52, the food website that we are obsessed with that has recipes and products you can buy and articles and All the podcasts. guidance you'd ever need yeah. and all of it. Yeah. Let's bring Amanda on. Let's do it. Thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. But when that New York Times languishing article came out, mm-hmm. Claire, I was reading it in bed and like texted it to you immediately. Yeah. I was like, yes, this is this, <laughs> this is the thing. It's like not yeah. like severe mental health issues mm-hmm. that I'm feeling. It's just not feeling not, like I ideal, even like close to ideal. Not flourishing. So, not as definitely. Say. As not- we've learned, <laughs> the opposite is flourishing. And I was not feeling that. And I think so many people are feeling that way. And it's, I think the majority of people are somewhere on the spectrum between like languishing at best to like really struggling at worst. And yes, that's because we've all had such a year and, you know, for, for a lot of people, things are starting to improve. And I think there's this sense in the United States, at least. Yes, exactly. And I think there's this sense that just because, you know, your circumstances might be improving, you're vaccinated, whatever, that you should all of a sudden feel better just because you can maybe see your friends or take the subway, but we've dealt with so much. And I think there's a lot of sort of like aftermath effects of, of the last year. And and we've all gone through a big trauma collectively. And it feels like it now is as good a time as ever to, to, to talk to somebody if, if you are struggling at all. Well, and I also think that over the last year, we've all really realized that mental health challenges are something that we just like generally all face um, Mm -hmm. and could all probably be using a lot more support than we've been getting in the past. And BetterHelp is definitely one way to get into that, to attack that. Talking to a licensed therapist can help you feel better and achieve your goals. Even if you don't think you're struggling with anything, it can just be a nice, nice, routine to have in your life. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online so you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. They have 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states and four modes of communication, text, chat, phone, and video. BetterHelp is also committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed, which I think is so important because I think a lot of people give up on the idea of therapy because they talk to one person. It doesn't feel like a great match. But of course, you know, these things take time and sometimes they take, you know, talking to multiple people. Anything you share is confidential. And if for any reason you're not happy, you just request a different counselor. 
the counselors are available in under 24 hours and you can schedule weekly secure video and phone sessions plus chat and text. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash a thing or two. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash a thing or two. Thank you so much for supporting the sponsors who make it possible for us to bring you this show every week. I'm Amanda Lippman. I run an organization called Run For Something. I wrote a book called Run For Something. And now I host this show also called Run For Something. My mission is simple. Find people who care about solving problems and help them run for office. Every Tuesday, I'll talk with amazing and incredible candidates and elected officials who are already making a difference. They're in local offices that might seem small and not so sexy, but are actually hugely important for your day-to-day life. Fixing our broken system will take all of us and people like you. Listen in every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Amanda. Hey, nice to see you or hear you. We're so Both. thrilled to see you and hear you. What a joy. Yeah. What a treat. <laughs> Truly, <laughs> It does feel like you're one of those people who in normal life, we could just rely on seeing every three to six months, whether or not we would make a plan or run into it at an event or something. And the pandemic has meant that we have not caught up with you for a year, which is you know, a disappointment. Yes. I, I, I share that disappointment. Yeah. It's true though. I feel like, yes, we were on this very regular cadence of seeing each yes. other. Yes. yes. And like we'll to get back to that. Exactly. Yeah. And so I feel like we're trying to, going to try to cram like a year long catch up into this podcast episode. Hope you're ready for <laughs> Please. How's your cooking journey been going? It's been okay. I, I, I was like most people where I was like, yes, I am going to do, I am going to master my sourdough yeah. I or ordered a starter from BN Kui in Brooklyn. And I kept it going for about a month and then I sort of lost steam, but I, you know, you can freeze starter. So I did that. Um, but hopefully it, it, it can be revived at, one, at some point, but you know, like less about like what I, like what we've been eating or like what I've cooked. It's just, I, I feel so reconnect. I mean, obviously we've all been reconnected with our home, but it's like, I feel in ways that will be lasting for me, you know, and that, you know, just having a chance to sit down to dinner with our kids every night of this year has been amazing. And I'm really grateful for that. And, and so, yeah, the, you know, yes, there's been more, (laughs) more home cooked food, but in some ways there have been other things around the table that just like, are even more important than that. Are there conversations that you've been able to have with your kids or like as a family that, that you wouldn't have been able to have before you just, or that you're like trying to treasure and carry forward with you? Yeah. So our kids are twins and they're boy, girl twins and they're, they're 14 now. And so it's obviously a time of a lot of change and a lot of emotion but and a lot of size, hormones, yeah, and hormones, a lot. <laughs> and, a lot, and growth. I mean, our, our son yeah. has grown, I, I think, easily six inches since wow. uh, we went into quarantine, and <laughs> it's been what, what I think. You know, the social isolation has been really hard on them, and they're still in remote school. And you know, I think we've all been like, we've all learned to look for silver linings. I think the silver lining of that is that we are there for them to talk to them. So they've been more open with us than maybe previously, or just because we're around all the time. I think that the thing that I value so much is that we've gotten to see the progression of the sort of 
progression of, you know, their, their maturity, the way they're thinking, the way they express themselves. And instead of having it in these like occasional snippets of like when we would eat together, you know, a couple, maybe a couple of times a week, having it every day, like you get to really kind of enjoy that, mm -hmm. that process and in, in, of growing up in a way that it seems strange to say that I, we didn't as parents previously. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I, I feel bad for them because I'm sure like, you know, when you're 14, like you don't really want to be hanging out with your mom and dad so much. Um, but I'm hoping, you know, they can, they can make up for their, the social isolation later. And I'm just super <laughs> grateful to have had this time with them. Do you think it'll be hard for you to go back to like agreeing to having business dinners a couple nights a week or going to events or whatever, because it'll mean missing out on that? Yes. But I also yeah. feel like it's, you know, realistically, like I'm going to want them to be able to see their friends and, and yeah, and we're going to, you know, my husband and I will want to connect with our, our friends or just <laughs> yeah. have a date night. Uh, mm -hmm. And, but I do think like, you know, there were very long periods where, you know, I would be home on the weekend nights because mm -hmm. I was out for work pretty much every night and, or my husband was. And so we were like ships passing in the night and our kids, you know, they, you know, they, they had busy schedules too. And so it's just, I definitely think I, we are all going to prioritize just being together more often. Are you that. thinking about how to preserve some of this like specialness of time together? Or like, I don't know, I feel like I would be nervous about like, okay, but how how do I make sure that we do get to have these family moments when everybody's life starts picking back up again? I I think that it, we really just have to talk about it and make it a priority. And I think, you know, we, we, <laughs> yeah, we tend to do that as a family anyhow about like things that were like other, you know, planning or, or if, you know, we sometimes have to have a sit down about like things we want to improve on. And, <laughs> and so, you know, I think just making it one of the, those topics and, yeah. and really in some ways kind of making an agreement. Yeah. And, I love that. and I think that we, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll likely do something like that. And I look forward to it. It's funny because I have done a couple of things where like I had to go into the office recently to do a video. And, and then I think it was, I'm trying to remember it was, there were like a day or two I've had where they were sort of quasi normal again, where I think we were like looking for a new office space. So I was, you know, I went to like three or four appointments in, in New York, in the city. And then I was so exhausted when I got home <laughs> because I was, those muscles of, of yes, like, you yeah. know, social muscles are completely, you talk um, to a bunch of people like yeah, who you didn't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, so I was thinking like, oh, when we, we get back to, you know, quote unquote, normal, normal, it's likely that we'll all, all need time to actually readjust and that it's not going to be easy for anyone to just start going out all the time. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> like it won't physically be possible because they'll be flat out exhausted. Have you had a similar dynamic with work life where you're having to sort of like readjust to how things will be again after setting up new rules or new customs? Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that will look like, yeah. especially given our uh, you know, I think our, as a company, we haven't figured out what we want to do exactly post uh, pandemic, but I also <laughs> think I haven't really figured out what my mode in, in pandemic is going to be. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, maybe I just won't figure it out before it ends. Uh, you know, I think I've been definitely, uh, pray fallen prey to the temptation 
that like you can go from meeting to meeting just by pressing a button and therefore mm-hmm. like just packing my meetings like sardines every yep. day and then ending like starting the day incredibly enthusiastic and then ending the day feeling kind of like you know um, like a pile of cells <laughs> a, a pile yeah. of cells yeah that yeah. Ser- cannot assemble a single thought so I, you know that's something I'm kind of kind of currently uh, thinking about but I, I do think it'll be some kind of mix I don't I don't think that um, and we, we've been surveying our our team and very few people want to come back to an office full time, like five days a week. I think many people want to come back some, yeah. um, I would say most. Uh, and there mm-hmm. are some teams in our company that do are actually in the office every day now. They, they're like our photo studios have been right. um, up and running since last summer, you know, with very, you know, very strict protocols, which hopefully will, will, you know, slowly diminish as things get safer. But, um, anyway, so it's, I, you know, I think it's, it's all something that I think I, I feel like we all just have to figure it out on our own, kind of like what works, what works best for us. Um, and I think we're trying to be as flexible as we can. Has the last year changed what you want for food 52 or what you want for yourself personally in any like meaningful ways? Well, I think for the business, yes, absolutely. Because this mission that we've all believed in, meaning we, meaning our team, and has been working on for so many years, uh, was just validated in this incredible way by, you know, the events surrounding us that, you know, we said everyone was suddenly confronted with how important it is to be able to feed yourself and, you know, comfort yourself with food and being in a, in a home, you know, have, have a home where you, you feel, at ease that you feel like reflects, you know, who you are and that feels good to you. And these are the things that we are trying to support people with every day, you know, and we're doing so before the pandemic. I think it really empowered, certainly me. And I think, I think our team, uh, just to, that, that like what we're doing really matters. And that it impacts people's lives in such a meaningful way. Such a concrete way. Yeah. And, and that was really like, you know, it, I think, you know, you know, when all, everything was kind of happened, just starting to break and it was, it was such a bewildering time. And I think it actually, you know, gave us something kind of positive to focus on. It was like, people need our help and we can provide it. And so let's, let's do the best we can. And I think it really just made me feel like more just committed and excited about like what we've been doing, what we've been building towards. I mean, Food 52 is such a behemoth in certain ways. Like it, it's just this incredible resource with all these different tentacles with the shopping and the recipes and the tutorials. And, and like you said, just, you know, an article on what, what ingredient substitute to use. Do you feel like there were certain aspects of what food 52 is and does that became, that really stood out and really sh- uh, shined in that moment? Yeah. I think there were a couple of things. One is certainly that we're, we're so community driven and so many of our recipes come from home cooks that there is a certain kind of practical nature to our recipe database. And also just a a sort of sensibility that I think people were really like seeking and also related uh, strongly to in that moment. And, uh, you know, like we, yes, we certainly have a couple of, you know, a, a small amount of recipes that come from chefs, but largely our recipes are from home cooks. And mm-hmm. I think that that was really what, you know, people wanted accessible things that weren't too complicated that, 
you know, felt doable in, in the moment. And that, and frankly, they were just comforting. And so I think, um, that actually like the kinds of recipes that we, that are, our bread and butter were sort of uh, a nice fit, you know, when it came to things like, you know, it wasn't just our tr- site traffic to our content, but actually we had a tremendous, um, increase in our shop sales, you know, particularly during April and May of last year. And, and that was, again, dri- you know, it was driven by people being home realizing like, oh my gosh, <laughs> my nonstick pan is like in terrible shape and I'm going to need something, you know, better. And, you know, I need, and I'm going to replace that. Or like I'm home now and I can finally organize my pantry and I want to, you know, have the best gear to do that. And so we saw like a lot of interest um, just in the products that we had. And so that, you know, that, that was great. And we were you know, doing our best to kind of provide it. But I think actually what also became um, interesting is that we work with a lot of, you know, smaller makers. And just to give you one example, you know, there was a mask shortage in the beginning. We have a number of smaller textile makers and they were able to very quickly pivot and create masks. And so we worked with a number of them on, on designs and prototyping and, and just kind of figuring out like, what is, what are needed features in a mask? What makes it comfortable? What makes it fit well? And, um, our, the first mask that we sold, I think we sold, you know, over 10,000 masks, um, you know, in like, you know, just a week or two, you know, it was, there were demand was so high, but it was, it was nice to see that we could really partner yeah, you know, we we call the vendors that we work with partners, and we have you know forever. But it was like it really felt like yes, you know, this this is what partnership is about, right? It's not just yeah. uh, working together in, in normal times, but like making you know collaborating and making the best of things at a moment like this. And so, as a company, we were just every day kind of pivoting and and trying to you know assess what what people were looking for, how we could provide it, like how we could like, you know, support makers. We did um, some fundraisers. We also like did, you know, we made sure we featured the, you know, smaller makers were the ones that were really having, you know, it was really stressful, the most stressful for, because they, you know, this is, this is their livelihood. Um, you know, they, they didn't have, they don't have, you know, a lot of buffer. And yeah, so yeah. that this was a place where we could, you know, using our marketing really drive people to these businesses and do our best to to support them at, at a at a tough moment. Thank you so much to Zocdoc for sponsoring today's episode, Erica. I do you remember we were on a call or like we were having a meeting the other day, just the two of us, and I got a call from my doctor's office and. I was like, I'm sorry, I actually have to take this because it was about creating an appointment because I dearly love this particular doctor, but she is not on ZocDoc. And I was like, if I don't answer this phone call, it could be weeks before I'm able. If I don't drop everything and yes. deal with this. Yeah. Because this when is you not ha- the system. This can't be <laughs> right. the system. No, because no, thank you. When you can't make an appointment online, it honestly feels like calling is entering this like labyrinth of dial this, dial that. You might get an answer. You might have to leave a voicemail. I don't know. And then you're going to be 10 minutes going back and forth about like, what are your morning appointments? Oh, we have a morning on a Friday. Mm, on Fridays, I don't, I, a morning appointment doesn't work. On Fridays, I actually need afternoon appointments. It's absurd to try to do it on the phone. 
It's absurd. It's absurd. The thing about ZocDoc is that ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Just download the free ZocDoc app at ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two for the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance. You can read verified patient reviews and book an appointment in person or video chat. Never wait on hold with a receptionist again. What a dream. Whether you need a primary care physician, a dentist, a dermatologist, a psychiatrist, an eye doctor, or another specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. You can even use ZocDoc to book vaccine appointments in some markets. Go to ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. Thank you so much to Dipsy for sponsoring today's episode. Claire, I don't remember, I can't remember if I told you this, but the day after my second vaccine, I just like, I was in bed all day under mm-hmm. the covers and I listened yep. to a romance novel on audiobook. Ooh, that sounds um, like a great way to spend your post-vaccine day. I'll tell you what, this is like my new answer for just days where it's for like sick, sick, sick days mm-hmm. where yeah. I can't look at a screen because it hurt, whatever it is hurts so yep. much. Yep. And like, blessedly, there aren't that many of those days. <laughs> yep. <laughs> blessedly, most of my life does not involve being in bed for like eight hours, needing something to entertain myself because I can't even sleep, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, where Dipsy comes in, where, where, where <laughs> I can get like a 10 minute fix of yes. that like romance novel, sex scene vibe um, in any part of my day. Truly, Dipsy just skips to the best part of romance novels <laughs> and just makes it quick. It's not going to fill eight hours of your day. These things are like 10 to 20 minutes, um, but they're like the parts that you're fast forwarding to in the romance novel. So it's really a genius concept. Um, Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy audio story features characters that feel like real people in immersive scenarios. So you feel like you're right there. Listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush you never made a move on or that coworker you always had a little thing for, or maybe a story that puts you in bed with someone who's telling you exactly what they like to do to you. They release new content every week, so there's always more to explore, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. And if you need to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, central bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. We're so into this thing. It's like by women, it's for women. It feels like a really unique thing in this space. And we really hope you check it out. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash a thing or two. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash a thing or two. That's D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash a thing or two. We have talked on this podcast multiple times about just how good the product and the merchandising is on Food 52 and how much we turn to it whenever we're looking for something for a home. Like I don't, Claire and I personally have definitely bought multiple, many things over oh, the last year things. from Food 52 yeah. to be oh, like, good. This, this will solve the problem. <laughs> what, I, <laughs> what, are the, what are the things that have been your personal heroes that you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't have this before? There are many. Okay. So I'm, I'm just off the top of my head. There's a, uh, a pepper mill that I love 
that um, it's called or it's the brand is called Ortwo Pepper mm. Mill, mm-hmm. and it has like, like two arms on it, and and it has mm. instead of you know how pepper mills are a real pain to fill because you have yes. to like yes. kind of like unscrew I sure things. Do. This is just literally almost like a spice jar that you attach huh. to the mill mill um, mechanism, yep. and so you can you can swap out like other spices, or if you want to do black a thing of black peppercorns or a thing of mixed you know peppercorns or cumin, whatever it is, it's really a spice grinder, not just a pepper mill, even though I use mine primarily as a pepper mill. So you just, you know, screw that on. You can, you can change the grind really just by like, you know, switching something. And then it, it grinds so much pepper so quickly. And I personally find that very exciting yeah. and, and rewarding. <laughs> I do too. Yes. And especially yeah. when um, a recipe, when, you know, when a recipe calls for a specific measurement of pepper, that's above a quarter teaspoon, my heart always sinks. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's I like, I gotta like, you know, yeah. I gotta like, you know, is that 20 cranks? Like yeah. how many, <laughs> how many? Yeah. and, and I'm gonna have to refill it halfway through. And, you know, anyway, yeah. but this never has that problem. It's just like super quick. And, um, so that, that's, that's been a, a product that I've loved and have used a ton this year. You know, we came out, we, we actually worked with one of our, um, wood manufacturers, um, JK Adams, who's based in new England. They've been around for like 70 years. We've done so many products with them and they, you know, we sell their products, but we also develop a lot of products with them. And one of the things we developed was this rotating two tiered stand made out of maple. Hmm. And you wouldn't believe how, how much you actually, how often that comes in handy. And because so we, one of the first products that we did with them was just a, you know, a lazy Susan, a wood lazy, and you know, who doesn't love a lazy Susan, right? Great and product. We'll take a lazy Susan and add another layer, right? And then it, you can have it on your table. You can use it for fruit. I have it on the, our table at home. And so it's like, I've got like our kids' vitamins on one level and I've got like little dudes, you know, a couple of cute doodads, but I also have like different kinds of salt and you just kind of spin, you can just spin it around and everybody, you know, at, at dinner, it's kind of fun to spin something. So anyway, just, it's something that I've never seen in the market. Um, one of our buyers came up with the idea for it, worked with them. And I just think it's like, it's really nice. And I think that that to me is like what we try to do is we try to, you know, we're not just, and also, cause like I have like anti-gadgety. So it's like, I don't yeah, want to come up with right. some, something that's just like solving it's one problem. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, yeah right, right. I want something that feels like timeless and useful and, you know, beautiful. And this kind of checks all of those boxes. And there has just been something so satisfying, I think, in like solving these dumb little problems in your home that does make you feel like productive and I don't know, like it's like, you know, self-improvement without actually having to fix anything about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) This is why everything, what you just articulated is why I spent so much money on Food 52 when I was on maternity leave because I was just stuck at home being like, what problems can I solve? What can I do? (laughs) Feeling so powerless being like, we don't have a napkin holder. Let me solve that problem because I don't know how to make this baby stop crying and I can't leave my house, but let me buy a napkin holder. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's uh, it. it's a truly wonderful shop. <laughs> it is truly wonderful. Um, can we talk for a minute? You have a work wife um, who we know and love, Meryl Stubbs, but she sort of moved into a, a less everyday role yeah. in the last year. And obviously, you know, we we interviewed you for work wife, you two for our book, work wife, and feel so intimately attached to your work wife relationship. So have to ask how how that's been for you and for Meryl. I, you know, I was thinking about that in advance. I was like, yeah, like I, last time, I mean, not one of the last time, but like, you know, we've, we've talked about work wives so in, intensively and, um, and I've lost my work wife and it is, it is strange. And it, you know, it's, it's been an adjustment. 
I, I, you know, Meryl and I worked together for, let me see here, 15, almost 15 years. Oh my gosh. Um, where we were working together like every day. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not that yeah. we don't work together anymore, but it, it's in a very different capacity. Um, yeah. you know, she's on the, she's on our board. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, that's, we, we meet four times a year. Obviously there's other board stuff that comes up in between, but that's, she's not like know. in the trenches with you no. in the way that she yeah. was. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, like I, it, we have something we talked about for a long time and yeah. like leading up to it. And in fact, like it was supposed to happen sooner, but then actually because of COVID and mm-hmm. all of the things that like it, like the sort of, you know, snowball effect it had on, you know, things at the, um, in the business, you know, she just was like, it was, we just hit the pause button and, um, and she didn't officially step back until the end of September of last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a big shift, but at the same time, I think like we, we did a lot of work in advance to sort of talk through what it would be like. And so it's, it's been, I would say seamless, but I definitely like we used to just joke so much on Slack and I mm-hmm. like that. That's, you know, I, that I really yeah. miss, I mean, I miss so, so many things, but it also like it happened at a time that was like a real transition point for the, the mm-hmm. company. And so there's a lot, there've been a lot of internal, there's been a lot of internal change, a lot of growth. And yeah. so in some ways there's just been a swirl of lots of change and it yeah. kind yeah. of got folded into that a bit. I, I actually have been, I, I've been thinking recently that I think like, you know, with companies, you, you sort of, you have these like these um, moments of sort of growth and change, and then it kind of plateaus, and then growth yeah, and change. Yeah. And I feel like we're kind of getting to that place of like where like like there's a, a lot there's a lot more people. There's a new team in place. We're we're starting to really like fire on all cylinders, and it you know it's it's feeling good. You can like exhale for a second. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Have you found either other people in the company or other ways of getting some of? what you got through your partnership with Merrill. Like I think about, I mean, the joking around is such an important one, right? And, or like the validation of your ideas and your feelings of like, I'm not wrong, right? Like that thing's not working or, or, or that, that email was crazy or, what, or like yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even just like the feeling of like, you know, it's lonely at the top, right? And you're like, you've got a whole team of, of employees like looking to you to do the right thing and all of that. Have you, how, how are you navigating that? So I actually, in a bunch of different ways, and, and I've, I feel like I've learned a bunch of things. And I, I think that like Meryl, like if it was the opposite, she'd probably feel, feel similarly that like, you know, because we've been, we've been doing a lot of sort of hiring at the senior level. And so we're bringing on people who have, um, who've been at companies that are at the stage that we're at mm-hmm. or even larger. And they have been really helpful to me. Some people have just, you know, you know, whether it's a casual comment they make or something that I observe about the way they're interacting with me, like it has helped me sort of figure out like how I need to kind of grow into this new place. I work with someone, a coach who's been tremendous. Um, we have added a new board member who's been helpful on this front. He was the COO to a single founder. And so he, I think he really understands and, and appreciates yeah. that particular challenge. I think the other thing though, is that like, it forced me to grow up a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think that there were certain things that, you know, I may have uh, relied on Merrill for that. Yeah. I didn't have to necessarily. And I think probably vice versa. And so I've, I've kind of come to appreciate that, that challenge of, of re- being more self-reliant and, yep. 
Yeah. And just kind of handle, handling things more yeah. without always having to double check with, with, with someone. But of course I missed that too, because we had um, a really supportive relationship and, and such trust. And I think that's, um, yeah, I miss it. Amanda, we're always so grateful that you've always just been like so real and willing to share. And I think to talk about challenges and I wonder if it's ever been hard for you to like share about those things and think about like, how's my team going to hear this? Or like, how did they respond to that? Or is that something that you worry about or get concerned about? I, um, I do. <laughs> and yet I really resist, uh, yeah. kind of corporate culture and corporate speak yeah. and shaping everything. And I never liked being on the receiving end of that. And so I, I really am sort of hyper conscious of not doing that. And you know, so I've, I have failed sometimes, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, yeah, actually I just failed recently. <laughs> um, I was, yeah, I, I'll, I'll just tell you the story, which is that I, uh, you know, people have been feeling like just driven into the ground this past yeah. year with work and home life and people are exhausted. Our team's exhausted. And I knew that we, we had like, you know, we have like work to do on this front and we have to figure it out and we had to really understand it. But I also was, um, in my, my, my practical side was to like focus on like, well, here's some short-term tips, you know, for time management at which I shared with the team. Um, and it just happened to like, it was at one of our team meetings and I, I, you know, shared, shared these, um, tips with the team, but without acknowledging, you know, that like mm-hmm. everyone's just having a hard time. And, um, and it just happened, this, this meeting happened to coincide with a team survey an employee survey. And <laughs> Let's just say it was very clear in the results that like <laughs> that didn't go over very well. And um didn't and I land. It did not <laughs> land. And I totally get it. And I and it was I was glad to, you know, hear yeah. from people. And yeah. it gave me a chance to like, and it was a, it was a reminder that I had kind of like yeah. flipped into corporate mode and right. was trying to like solve a pra- practical, you know, be practical yeah. and solve a problem as opposed to like being the human that I mm-hmm. am and that I can be and and acknowledge that we have to take a bigger steps and, mm-hmm. but mostly, you know, we really need to he- like hear people. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, yeah. So I just, it's something I like particularly pay attention to and I'm, yeah. What did you do when you got that feedback? Did you acknowledge it with the team? Yeah, like I po- did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I try to just acknowledge things and yeah. I'm, I'm sure I, I fall short on that sometimes, but I, I just, I just try to be open about it. Yeah. I mean, every, right. Everyone's like, <laughs> ideally everyone's evolving. And so mm-hmm. trying to just be open about that fact, um, yeah. it, you know, it's funny, um, not to just, um, blanket you with, um, no, please. my, my, <laughs> my um, <laughs> failures, but, uh, earlier this week, you know, we were doing an internal summit for our brand partnerships team. And I was, you know, my assignment was to talk about the vision, which one would think that after being in the, this business for, you know, 11 plus years would just kind of like come off, you know, like one, two, three, but it turns out that like, for me, like the vision, yes, it has, it has stayed consistent, but the way I, I thought like sort of think and talk about it evolves. It's complex in my brain because I have the whole history in my brain. And so figuring out what, pieces of it to sort of select and focus on and, and really, um, to like succinctly articulate, like why our vision is what it is and where we're going with it. 
I just haven't given that, like, I haven't talked out loud about that in a long, in a while. And so, you know, first thing Monday morning, I had to give this talk and I just bumbled my way through. I mean, it was, I, you know, it was not, it was not my finest moment. And I, you know, and I also public speaking is something I like have been working on. Um, and I, I have not mastered, but so I just thought to myself, I'm going to do a redo on that at some point. Like I can't yeah. like just leave it be, I, right. I, you know, so I acknowledge it. I will do a redo, but you know, yeah, I'm not a, a super polished leader and I kind of hope I won't ever be too polished. I love that. I think, yeah, I really do. I, I mean, I, I'm sure we've said this a million times on the podcast and also to you, but you've just like always been such an inspiration to us, both as an entrepreneur and the business that you've built, which, you know, speaks to us in so many ways, but your leadership style and, you just did this episode of How I Built This, which I loved so much for so many reasons. But one of the things that came through so clearly that it also came through in everything you just articulated was your ability to sort of not take the feedback too personally and just see it as something that like, this is who you are and you have to navigate you know, these relationships and people's feelings about you, whether that's, you know, they don't like how you presented the the time-saving tips or, you know, that you are really ambitious and some people don't like that or, and, and whatever that is. And I, I think it's like a very just sort of matter of fact way of, of navigating those challenges that is not, uh, not, does not come naturally to me. Whereas I, I would have been up all night about the bad feedback about the time-saving tips and just beat myself up about it would have like still be talking about it years later. And I think like <laughs> there's something just really inspiring about being like, right, that was wrong. And I need to improve upon that. Like, cool. Moving, moving forward. <laughs> um, you're, you're, um, you're making my sort of, uh, mental noise sound simpler than it is, but <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> no, but I, well, we also just recently recorded an episode on perfectionism and trying mm-hmm. to fight those, that drive that like, well, if it's not going to be perfect, then I just won't do it. Or like, you know, or just putting too much emphasis on this idea of flawlessness or, um, and I really appreciate what you just said about, you'll, that, you know, I, maybe I will never be a super polished leader. And maybe that is not the goal. Like maybe that is actually, maybe that's like seeking the wrong end. I think too, I mean, the idea of like perfectionism not being the goal is also part of what makes Food 52 so wonderful as a food website and as a cooking website. This idea that like your cooking doesn't have to be perfect and you don't have to have all of the ingredients. And here's here's a recipe, but also here's just an idea of a recipe, um, which I think really you know, particularly speaks to people this past year when it comes to to thinking about food and cooking. I had, I had one question. Yeah. What are you having for dinner? Um, I don't know. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Wow. That is a, a great comfort to all of us, Amanda. <laughs> Truly wonderful. <laughs> um, it's funny. I was very, I was, I, I'm, I'm focused on, we got a dog cause we're a COVID mm-hmm. cliche. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and I was thinking about how at the end of the day, I'm going to take, I'm going to take her for a walk and that will be nice. I, f- I find the walking has been very I do rest- yeah. restorative. I do yeah. too. That's are your kids interested in cooking? Um, they are. Well, it's so funny um, because our kids were signing up for their, what are they called? Electives for next mm. year. Mm-hmm. Electives. Forgot and about that term. Our, I know. And our son <laughs> chose culinary arts. And I was like, what? Wow. And he also recently decided he was going to make an omelet for lunch 
like during a school day. And <laughs> he looked up a recipe, not on Food 52, by the way. <laughs> wow. And I was like, wow. rude. I was like, rude. yes, rude. It's totally rude. But you know, that's what teenagers, they have to kind of yeah, put right. you in your place. Yeah. I love that, yeah. that little piece of rebellion. <laughs> I know exactly, <laughs> right? Teenage rebellion. Yeah. And then he like, yeah. and then he, turned out this like perfectly, you know, folded omelet. And I just was like, who are you? I don't, I, this is not, so our kids like cooking, but they haven't really like super actively pursued it. And so I've been kind of, um, I don't know. I think they might be late bloomers on that front, which is totally fine with me. I do. They, they do know how to cook though, because so they, one year I used to make their lunches all the time for school. And then they went to a new school and they had a, like, they had a lunch they didn't want, they did not want me packing lunches for them. So they, mm-hmm. they did the school lunch and then they stopped eating lunch at school. Cause they, they were like, Oh, it's so bad. Cannot eat it. <laughs> oh. And, um, and so they, so I said, that's fine. Like we can go back to lunch, but you're gonna have to make them. And yeah. so then it actually, um, we did this whole system where I would teach them how to make a dish and they like serve more big batch cooking. And, mm-hmm. um, and then they would, they would take turns where like, one like Walker, my son Walker, he would he would be in charge of lunch for one week, and then Addison would be charged for of lunch, and they would sort of you know cook for each other. Um, but what I was what was great about it was that like they ended up sort of getting this repertoire of like you know 10, 12 dishes, and I'm like, all right, like <laughs> my work is done. They can <laughs> yes. go to college, you know. They you know and and, not, and they, they can have like a, a small dinner party if they you know when they're when when they're in college. And um, so anyway, so that's that's how I solved that. And it all, it all kind of worked out, but, um, I think they- what's their best dish Zuni, uh, pasta with tuna, you know, mm, that one okay. and it has like made garlic it. and lemon in it. It's really good. Okay. It's really good. And it's a dish that I wouldn't expect like kids, kids or to bring to school, to, like necessarily like, <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. but yeah. they, they're really into that. Yeah, they they, that they, so they like kind of like, you know, pasta e dishes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Who doesn't, who doesn't, yeah. yeah. Um, Amanda, we've loved having you. Thank you so, so much for doing this. It's been just lovely wonderful. to catch up. I have loved seeing you guys and I can't wait yeah. to do so in person and hopefully soon. Uh, thank you so much Same. for inviting me. Of course. of course, that's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media and we are so, so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us to make this podcast happen, especially our outstanding producer, Brian Peoples. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com. If you love our show, consider supporting it by signing up for Secret Menu at, you guessed it, a thing or two HQ.com.